Okay, everyone, welcome to uh, the Savant Report uh, webinar. We, as you know, every couple months we do a webinar for our subscribers. This is recorded and uh, this will be uploaded to the Savant Report website in the subscribers area where you can view it at any point in time in the future as well. Uh, I chose a, a, uh, a really hot topic. In fact, you'll have to excuse the, um, the first slide there. The first slide is uh, from an old webinar we did. Uh, what we're actually going to talk about today is the uh, CMBS uh, co coming wall of CMBS maturities. And we're going to talk about what that is. But um, before we get started, I'm going to back up here to the uh, to the front slide, which is incorrect. You'll have to ex uh, excuse the incorrect first slide there. Uh, some of the disclosures that we need to give you is that Savant Investment Partners is a, um, a publisher. We're a content publisher, <coughs> as well as a, a securities issuer and an investment company. The uh, information that I'm giving you here today uh, is our views. Certainly, we're not making any recommendations. Uh, we're not uh, suggesting that you buy or sell any specific security based on the information we're giving you. Uh, this is not a solicitation or an offer uh, for you to purchase an interest in Savant Syndicated Investments or other investments for that matter. Uh, we always suggest that you talk to a qualified investment professional before making investment decisions. Uh, some notes before we start. Uh, first of all is please ask questions. Uh, my phone number and email address are available at the end of this presentation if you want to ask those questions privately and not during the webinar today. Uh, I think the large majority of our readership uh, watches the uh, recordings of these webinars, so uh, you won't be able to ask questions live, so just go ahead and email me or call me. I make myself available to all of our Savant Report subscribers to talk about uh, what we talk about in the report. Some of the data and charts that uh, we use may be dated due to infrequent updates on those specific charts. Uh, some of the charts that we're going to show have 2013, 2014, and early 2015 numbers. Uh, those you know, come out periodically and the data sources don't always update them on a regular basis. You can request a copy of these slides from us directly. We'll send them to you in, in either PDF or direct PowerPoint uh, format. And last but not least, <coughs> excuse me, this webinar is for Savant Report subscribers only. This is a paid publication, so please make sure that you don't pass this along to folks who aren't subscribers. However, uh, we absolutely appreciate any referrals that you would give us and send people to our website to subscribe. So let's get started. Uh, the title for today's webinar is The Coming Crash of Maturing Commercial Mortgages and How CMBS Maturing Loans Could Force the Commercial Real Estate Market into Recession. Uh, we're going to talk uh, first and foremost about what CMBS is. Uh, you've probably seen a lot online and in the news about the CMBS market. A lot of people don't understand what the CMBS market is, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But there's been a huge uh, amount of rhetoric in the media. Uh, it's been all the rage. The economists and the real estate analysts are predicting just a huge calamity. Uh, some of them are saying that it's going to be 2008 and 2011 all over again for the commercial real estate market. <clears throat> there's been a lot of investors that have been holding uh, back buying commercial real estate because they're expecting a correction or a crash 
in commercial real estate values because of what's happening with these commercial mortgages. So let's let's dive into the question is, what does CMBS mean? So CMBS is an acronym for Commercial Mortgage-Backed Securities. And uh, what it is, is CMBS is a type of loan that you can put on a piece of commercial real estate. It's very, very common in the commercial real estate world. And what they do is uh, they put them into pools. And, uh, you know, these lenders go out and they make a bunch of loans, maybe, uh, you know, $100 million or $200 million worth of loans, and then they put them all into a big pool and sell them off to investors uh, at the equivalent of what uh, bonds are, which is just an income-producing uh, stream for them. So uh, these instruments, because of what they are, they're pooled commercial mortgages. They tend to be very, very complex, and they also tend to be very volatile uh, when it comes down to the actual uh, underlying bonds or the underlying CMBS securities, uh, just because you know portfolios uh, change, there's defaults and there's payoffs, and they're always trying to juggle uh, juggle the yields and uh, the payoffs and availability of capital and and uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, they tend to be quite volatile. The different risk and return uh, to investors here. This is kind of a, an interesting chart just to show you that. Uh, all of these uh, ticks here to the left, let me see if I can get my pointer on here. <coughs> all of these tick marks uh, to, the, uh, to the left here, those are all borrowers. And those borrowers all uh, take out loans that are put into a pool of commercial mortgages. And then that pool is sold off to investors as AAA quality, AA quality, A quality, triple B, double B, B, and unrated, or maybe B minus uh, type bonds. And so the, the super high quality stuff uh, will be sold at the lower returns, and the riskier that it gets, uh, the returns to the bondholders start to get, uh, get a little more expensive. What you have to understand is this is really common in the commercial real estate lending world. Uh, this is a big part of commercial real estate loans and how they're done. Typically, you have the small banks, uh, the local banks in a given market, uh, and uh, those will tend to do bar uh, business with local borrowers. Then you have the national commercial mortgage market and banks. You have the life insurance companies that will uh, uh, typically do really good deals because the life insurance companies have to uh, invest their money in order to insure their policies. And then uh, you get into the CMBS market. And each one of them typically works a little different. CMBS is uh, one of the larger areas of commercial lending. So <clears throat> just to give you another uh, perspective of how these work, the commercial mortgage loan portfolio uh, is basically divvied up and the cash flow goes into these bond holders and the bonds are secured by the pool of mortgages. And again, the... Uh, uh, the lowest risk uh, typically get the lowest returns, and the highest risk tend to get the highest returns. And what they do is they call this first loss position. Is the first loss position is typically the the, the B rated bonds, uh, like here, or the non investment grade bonds. And these guys actually have uh, a very high percentage of their principal bond uh, that is at risk if the uh, pool of commercial mortgages start to go bad. And what they do is they divvy up the losses disproportionately. And so if there's losses in the pool, then the A uh, and AAA uh, 
uh, note holders or bond holders of the mortgage pool uh, will typically still get 100 cents on their dollar, but the people who really carry the lying share of the burden are these triple B guys and B minus guys. So that's how it, that's how it works. So uh, CMBS servicers split up bad loans when they go to, uh, uh, in the tranches, they call them tranches. They split up bad loans that allow borrowers to keep their properties and work through the issues. And this is a uh, kind of a chart showing how they work this out. So if we start here at the left, you'll have a loan pool and then you have the banker and the banker will start chasing non-performing loans over here follow the green arrow. And what'll happen is, uh, it, let's say you have a big office building and the office building loses tenants or we go through a recession and you have to renegotiate rent rates. There's simply not enough money, insufficient cash flow to service this entire loan. So the insufficient cash flow gets disproportionately uh, split up. And they do that by calling uh, the, the two different parts of the note the A note, which is the least risky, and the B note, which is the more risky. And this is all done by a special servicer. A special servicer is uh, basically a workout specialist. It's a company that's hired to work out the problems in the note and, uh, and the problems with the loan. And these companies that do this are very, very, very big. In fact, one of them is a company called C3, and C3 is Wells Fargo's uh, special servicing company. And these guys service hundreds of billions of dollars of assets. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, that probably the top two or three will service over a trillion dollars of assets uh, together that are troubled. And especially after 2008, 2009, 10, and 11, and 12, there was a lot of these commercial mortgages that went underwater and they got assigned to special servicers and those special servicers figured out the best way to take care of those properties with the least amount of losses to the investors. So then you get over here and you're a CMBS investor. And basically what happens is... Uh, the uh, the income is split up in between uh, the notes and typically they want the developer or the property owner to continue to get a little bit of cash flow as well because that incentivizes them to keep the property instead of giving it back to them in foreclosure. So that's kind of a complex look at how the debt relief programs of CMBS works. Uh, the, the term special servicer is a really important term for you to know, especially as we get uh, into the rest of the presentation. So let's talk about what the issues are so, uh, and, and, and why the CMBS market matters to us. So CMBS loans are extremely common in commercial properties, and CMBS loans are attractive to commercial real estate borrowers for several reasons. Uh, the first one is that the loans are typically longer term. Uh, your life companies and your CMBS uh, lenders will typically do the longer term commercial mortgages, which usually have maturities in the seven to 10 year range. 10 year commercial mortgages are extremely common. Uh, and that's usually what most of these borrowers want. Second reason is uh, that CMBS mortgages typically go to high loan to values. So they will lend you a higher percentage of the property value than what a lot of other lenders will. A lot of CMBS lenders, especially back in the heydays of 2005, 6, and 7, would routinely go to 80% uh, of the value of the property, if not more. And of course, we're, we're talking 
property values that were back in 2005, 6, and 7, so very high values. And last but certainly not least is the rates are locked in for a long period of time, usually the entire term of the loan. So what's not attractive about CMBS loans is that they come with what's called a yield maintenance uh, type of prepayment penalty. And that effectively means that you are guaranteeing them the interest on the loan for the entire term. So don't think of it as a penalty. Think of it as guaranteeing that you're going to keep that loan for the remainder of the term. Uh, there's a little bit of offset. If uh, you pay the loan off early, sometimes what they'll do is they'll replace the yield of the loan with bonds and then you make up the difference. The bottom line is not only is that extremely complex, but you're talking about massive, massive percentages in prepayment penalty. So that all boils down to one key factor is that people that take out these loans for 10 years typically keep these loans for 10 years because paying them off early is unfeasible, which leads us to a little more about the problem. So back in the heydays of 2005, 6, and 7, the CMBS mortgage market grew exponentially. These loans were extremely popular. The interest rates at the time were very, very low uh, compared to historical lows. So as the market was topping, the CMBS lenders began lending hundreds of billions of dollars at a time uh, in commercial mortgages. So if you look back into the 90s, you know, you look back into, into 1990, you know, they were lending between 3 and $8 billion in the early 90s uh, on an annual basis. That was the size of the CMBS market. As, uh, as the CMBS market grew, you see $14 billion, uh, uh, $17 billion, $18 billion towards the mid-90s. Towards the late 90s, it grew to 26, 37 million, and holy cow, we had a boom back in the late uh, 1990s at about 74 million in the CMBS market. And that's the annual volume uh, of these loans and, uh, and the new mortgages that they were writing. You can see that we dipped back down to the, you know, um, excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold here, uh, dipped down into the 57, 47, 67, 52 billion dollar market. But look what happened in the early 2000s when the real estate market started to take off. Holy cow. I mean, we saw a huge run up here in, uh, in the CMBS market. We literally saw the CMBS market go from issuing 40 to 50, maybe 60 billion a year on average to in 2005 and 6 and 7 approaching 169 billion a year 203 billion a year and in 2006 uh, 2007 topping out at 230 billion dollars a year in new uh, CMBS loans that were issued think about that 230 million you're talking almost or 230 billion, excuse me, you're talking at almost a quarter of a trillion dollars that was lent that year alone in commercial mortgage-backed securities. Of course, then we started going through the recession, and look what happened. Almost immediately, we uh, dropped off to 12 billion. We dropped down to 3 billion, which we hadn't seen in, t you know, in two decades since the early 1990s. And then all of a sudden, back in 2011, 12, we started lending uh, in commercial mortgages again. Uh, don't worry about 2014 over here. 
this chart was created in uh, 2014. They didn't have all the data, so they couldn't really uh, give you an accurate number on this chart. Again, this is one of those older charts. So you can see 2013, 2014, we basically ended right at about that $86 billion a year. So the, the market's coming back. So as you can see, uh, the, the amount of loans that have been issued have been pretty significant. Now, a key here is that I want you to see around 2006, 2007, when they were issuing a couple hundred billion dollars of these mortgages, uh, what is a 10-year term from 06 and 07? Well, that's 2016 and 2017. That means that a huge portion of these loans are going to be coming mature in 2016 and 2017. We're going to get to that in a second. So you're asking yourself a question. So what are you know? So uh, so what loans are maturing? Like you know, what's the big deal? Well, the problem is that what if you don't have the equity in the property to refinance the mortgage with another lender? And that could spur a huge amount of foreclosures and a huge amount of commercial uh, commercial properties hitting the uh, open market for sale, which could, of course, affect values. So let's, let's just run through an example here. Uh, I want to run through an example of why this is problematic. Let's say that you bought a property. We're going to use big numbers. Let's say you bought a property worth $50 million back in 2007. You finance 75% of that purchase price, which would be $37.5 million with a CMBS mortgage. All said and good, right? You've got $12.5 million of equity in the property. You put a big down payment. You think it's a safe investment. Now you live from 2007 to 2011 and your property value is effectively cut in half. In fact, a lot of commercial properties and a lot of markets hit very hard were cut in more than half. So you owe $37.5 million, but now you have a property that's only worth $25 million. That's a big issue, right? Because you owe $37.5. Well, uh, you know, that's really, really big. That's a big hit to take in the shorts. So, um, you know, back here in 2011, everyone was saying, oh, goodness, when all these CMBS loans come to, uh, come to mature, we're going to have all these defaults because these property values are never going to recover. But look at 2015. What's happened in 2015 is we've had a huge run-up in commercial real estate, not up to the point, not up to the values that we were prior to the recession, but certainly values are well, well, well off their lows. So here we are in 2015 now. The property values are recovering, and let's say that now you're you're even. You're at uh, 37 and a half million in value, and you're uh, wiping the sweat off your forehead because now you owe exactly what the property's worth, and at least you're out of the black. But there is a problem coming, and the problem coming is that your loan is maturing in 2017. And if your loan is maturing in 2017, what do you do with this $37.5 million mortgage and $37.5 million property? You have no equity in it. So what happens is uh, you say, well, let me see if I can go refinance it. So a new lender in today's market, they're not going to lend you 75%. Chances are it's going to be 70% or maybe even 65% just given where we are in the market. So if you borrowed 70% of current market value, of the $37.5 million value, well, guess what? You get a mortgage for $26.25 million. Dear Mr. Borrower, please put another down payment down of $11.25 million to refinance your loan. And there's a big gulp at the end of that conversation because a lot of borrowers 
hell, if you go back to 2007, a decade ago, they put $12.5 million down. Now they want you to put an another eleven and a quarter million dollars down for a lender to refinance you because that's their loan to value criteria. They're not going to lend you a hundred percent of what that property is worth today. This is where the problem lies. So in 2015, 2016, and 2017 alone, there's more than 315 or 350, excuse me, billion dollars of commercial mortgage-backed securities loans that are maturing. Estimates suggest that possibly as much as half of that $350 billion of CMBS loans that are maturing are underwater and will not be able to be paid off. So we're talking about uh, what's half of $350 billion? Well, we're about uh, $1.75 billion, uh, well, $175 billion, excuse me, um, of commercial mortgages that people are simply not going to be able to pay the payments on. Uh, they're not going to be able to refinance them, and then what happens? So the sheer volume of the CMBS issuance from 2005 to 2007 was just off the charts at almost $600 billion, which is about double the current CMBS issuances today. So, I mean, we're it's just absolutely huge, absolutely huge, staggering volumes. Now the piper is coming to pay. So if you use uh, the CMBS portfolio valuation methods where these um, number crunchers sit in the back offices and, and crunch their Excel spreadsheets, uh, it's estimated that about 30% of all maturing CMBS loans will be over 80% loan to value at the time of maturity and will either have to inject more capital to refinance or flat out they're just going to be unable to get uh, a new loan. So let's look at the at the numbers on an annual basis. Uh, here's the 2015 numbers. The amount of loans that are maturing in 2015, which we're almost at the end of, that are greater than 100% loan to value. That means that the value of the property is less than what's owed is about 10.1% of those maturities. As much of a problem is uh, the 80 to 100% loan to value category, which is... Uh, you know, loans that you're simply going to have to inject more capital uh, to refinance if you can find a lender to do it today is a whopping 23.9%. So between 10.1 and 23.9, you have 34% of all loans coming due in 2015 that are effectively unrefinanceable. Okay. Uh, this 70 to 80% loan to value range, this is going to be very, very difficult to find financing for. Uh, you're going to have to have a good balance sheet and a good borrower history in order to refinance these loans. But this is a category that's okay or reasonably okay uh, in today's world. These 34% of maturities is really what we have to worry about in 2015. So let's go to 2016. In 2016, the 100% plus loan to value category is 12% of all mortgages, uh, CMBS mortgages that are maturing. And then we've got 21.3%. Uh, so we're still up there about 33, 34% of total mortgages that are effectively unrefinanceable. Um, if we look at uh, 2017, this is where it really gets scary. Because remember, 2007 was the top of the market. That was when the CMBS market was the biggest, issuing $230 billion a year in these mortgages. Uh, they have 20.6%. Uh, of the mortgages maturing in 2017 that are going to be underwater, and an additional 27.5% 
are uh, going to be uh, the 80 to 100 percent loan to value market, effectively unrefinanceable. Between these two here, we're talking almost 50 percent of these maturities in 2017. Uh, you know, 100 billion dollars worth, probably maybe a little more, is going to be shoved right down the throats of these special servicers. So. The number of loans forecast to be not eligible to, to refinance, 2015 was about $8 billion, uh, 2016 is $36 billion, 2017 is $53 billion. By this particular analyst's numbers, there's around $100 billion worth of mortgages that are not going to be able to refinance between these three years. My numbers and the way that I see it uh, and the analysis that I've done personally is close to 100 billion in 2017, closer to 50 billion in 2016, and a little higher than 8 billion in 2015. So, you know, however you cut the numbers, you're talking about 100 billion or more of mortgages that are really, really in trouble. I mean, really in trouble. So, what's not been factored into these estimates is how the inevitable increase in interest rates are going to affect the borrower's ability to refinance, anyways. So, uh, you know, as we all know, interest rates uh, are likely going to rise. Uh, we're waiting for the Fed to rise. I think there's a pretty good chance that they'll rise or raise rates, excuse me, in 2015 yet. So at the December Fed meeting, my bet is that they're going to start uh, raising rates here. So, uh, you know, in 2017 or 2016, when, when mortgage rates are going up and, and uh, you know, capital might still be tight, loan to value is a problem, you know, how is the interest rates on top of all that going to affect borrowers' ability to refinance? And I think that's going to be uh, a really big deal. I think it's going to be a really big deal. So, Let's talk about the options that these borrowers have. And again, we're all getting down to what happens if they can't refinance. These these uh, uh, properties become foreclosures. They uh, get on the market for sale and maybe flood the uh, commercial market with uh, with property, and that could certainly impact values by a big degree. So let's talk through their options. The first option is that a borrower can write a check for the negative equity and just put another down payment down in order to refinance that loan. But let's look at the reality. Uh, in, in, you know, unless you're in an asset class that did very well during the downturn, like the agriculture market, most borrowers simply just don't have a huge amount of equity uh, that they can just write a check for and uh, and put down. Uh, and if they do, even if they did, or even if they do, they probably don't want to. And so that's going to be another problem here. Number two option is that the lender can grant a short extension to allow the, the borrower time to cure the negative equity. In other words, give them an extension to figure out what they're going to do. The third option is for the lender to accept a short payoff or a short sale. Basically, pay off the loan uh, through a sale to a arm's length third party to a bona fide buyer for less than what the actual amount is that is owed. Now, this is the least favorable option for the lender, right? Because if the lender uh, takes a discounted payoff, well, I mean, you know, they're just writing off their, you know, parts and percentages of their bonds, and that's not necessarily what they want to do. The fourth option is that the CMBS trust can take the property uh, over through foreclosure and assign the property to a special servicer like C3 uh, or any number of others, and uh, they can uh, take the property through foreclosure and they can, uh, you know, hire the property managers, hire the leasing brokers, uh, take over the payments from tenants, 
and collect that cash flow and uh, try and position the property to sell it uh, at, at top market values. Maybe they can hold on to it for a year or two or three. So that is option number four. Option number five is that if the borrower can sell the property at current market value after the cost of sale and just get out from underneath it, uh, then borrowers might be enticed to do that. So if a, if a borrower has 10% equity in a property, after sales costs, they only might get back 3%, but at least they get out from underneath the loan and they don't have to write a check to another lender to refinance it. So that's, uh, you know, they don't have to inject additional equity. That's option number five. And I think that borrowers are going to be looking at selling as a real option. So let's talk about the types of properties that CMBS lenders lend on. They lend on multifamily, which is apartment complexes. They lend on uh, office buildings, usually large office buildings. They lend on retail shopping centers, and they uh, lend on large uh, industrial uh, you know, storage and manufacturing type facilities. So really, throughout the commercial arena, the CMBS mortgages will lend on just about every asset class inside the commercial real estate arena. Here's, here's the asset classes that I think are going to do the best um, through, through this, this issue that's coming up. The multifamily uh, apartment market has really been doing very well over the last few years. This asset class is probably the strongest of them all. Uh, the multifamily market cycle is topping. Things are getting to euphoria with uh, 4% and 4.5% cap rates in uh, areas like San Francisco and Denver and Seattle, Washington. And, um, and in other areas that are a little more speculative like Phoenix, you know, you very routinely will see 45 to 5% uh, cap rates on those properties. So, uh, those values have come back very, very quickly since the downturn. And uh, not only have they come back since the downturn, but they didn't do too bad through the downturn if they were managed well. And if you kept your tenants in there and you kept your rent rates up, because when people had their homes foreclosed on, they needed a place to live and they would move from their foreclosed home into an apartment. So the, the, the think of multifamily as an asset class, as the bond category of commercial real estate. Very stable, usually doesn't set the world on fire, and usually the only way that you make a big chunk of money in multifamily is with extremely high leverage and, uh, and raising rents and managing very, very well. So multifamily, I think, is actually not going to be hit very hard from these CMBS maturities. The industrial market is the second strongest asset class throughout the uh, uh, throughout the U.S. In, in most markets, not all, but most. Uh, in well-located markets, industrial space has been in high demand for tenants and investors. Investors love industrial space, especially small demised industrial space. Um, quite uh, quite interesting, to be honest with you, how much uh, industrial has come back. It's really been on fire. In markets like Las Vegas, it's one of the hottest. Uh, in Phoenix, it's very, very hot. And of course, you know, in, industrial is a big classification. There's all kinds of industrial properties, but industrial as a class in of itself inside commercial real estate has done very well. So I think that uh, that industrial is actually going to do okay through this uh, through this uh, this little kind of bubble bursting of mortgages coming due, if you will. So let's talk about office. Now, office is the bastard child of commercial real estate right now. Um, office space is one of the most subjective in terms of need uh, of a business that you can get. 
You can cram people into cubicles and you can use a lot less space. You can spread people out and have a lot more space. You can have big conference rooms and things like that. Well, listen, through the recession, you know, most uh, most businesses not only downsized, but you know, we had a lot of businesses go under. And so uh, the pool of potential tenants for the office market has not only shrunk, but we've also seen a tremendous amount of uh, downsizing. And so we've had, you know, companies that had 30, 40 employees go to down to, you know, having 10 or 15 employees and using smaller office spaces or cubicles and and just watching the bottom line. Now, from a fiscal perspective, that's very smart. Unfortunately for office, it's, uh, you, you know, it, it has not recovered in most markets like uh, like the other asset classes have. So I expect the office market to be one of the hardest hit by the CMBS maturity crisis. If we look at retail, uh, retail has recovered quite well post-recession. Uh, values have been increasing. Uh, however, the retail asset class is an art. I think this is going to be the second hardest hit asset class in CMBS. And the reason why is because uh, retail requires a lot of management and a lot of artistic matching of tenants. You need the right tenants that will complement each other. You need the traffic. You need the visibility. Uh, you need centers to be busy. It's not just about the space itself, but nobody wants to go into an empty retail center because you can't capitalize on the traffic from the other shops nearby. Now, I love retail as an asset class. I actually think of myself as more of a retail slash industrial slash office uh, kind of investor. Multifamily is my least favorite at this point in time. And I really believe that uh, that retail is going to take a couple of hits from this because uh, so many investors get into the retail investment business and don't understand managing uh, the space, the tenants, and the center itself. And uh, and because of that, there's a lot of mismanage in that asset class. So I think that there is, uh, there is potentially some downside to uh, retail in the CMBS maturity crisis. So my forecast for trouble. The commercial real estate market has recovered quite well in recent years, as I've predicted. However, there's a lot of hype surrounding the CMBS cliff or the CMBS wall, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think uh, that this hype has been waning a little bit in light of rising values and a recovering economy. So values over the last three years have probably doubled off the bottom. That doesn't mean, you know, you have to kind of work the math backwards. So if you have uh, a $10 million asset and it uh, uh, and it gets cut to a five million dollar value, and you add fifty percent in value uh, to that, you're only back up to you know uh, uh, seven and a half million. And I think that's kind of where we are today. Uh, and so, so there's still a disparity in, in equity there, uh, but values have been recovering, and I think that this issue is going to be a little less severe than what a lot of people are. Uh, are expecting. I think it's been overhyped and the actual impact on commercial uh, property values is actually going to be less than what a lot of people expect. So here's what I don't expect. I don't expect a big crash. I don't expect a 30% correction in commercial real estate. I don't expect commercial real estate to go through a recession. I do expect there to be more properties on the market 
the the sellers of those properties are going to be very tight on their asking price and on their numbers because they probably don't have a lot of equity in them. That's wherein the opportunity lies. So I think that those that are actually in trouble, here's what I think is going to happen with those uh, CMBS loans and borrowers that are in trouble. Number one is I think that the CMBS lenders and special servicers are going to work their way through the troubles with the borrowers by extending their mortgages, by doing modifications, by reducing interest rates or reamortizing the loans. We've seen this already over the last five years. We've seen that, you know, at first the special servicers just wanted to foreclose on everybody and they wanted to be jerks and, you know, they just wanted to play tough guy and we're the bank and we're going to foreclose on you. But, but they soon realized that the amount of work that it takes to properly and effectively manage a commercial real estate asset, do it effectively where you add value, there's a lot of work involved and there's a lot of strategy and it takes a lot of hands-on. So I think what's going to happen is that they've, uh, well, what, what did happen is they decided we're going to start working with our borrowers and we're going to give them a little bit of rope for them to, uh, to have some freedom to be able to continue to operate the property, maybe take a little bit of the cash flow as an incentive uh, for those borrowers to keep managing the property and doing a good job. So the second thing that I think is going to happen is, <coughs> excuse me, because there's so much capital chasing commercial properties right now. Uh, I think the, the market certainly has already gained momentum. There's a lot of investors out there on the sidelines ready to scoop up reasonably good deals. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think that uh, the, the, the CMBS borrowers that don't have the ability to refinance are going to put those properties on the market. And there's going to be opportunistic guys like myself included that are going to be interested in trying to pick up some of those properties for a little bit of a better deal than what market rate is. And third is there will be some foreclosures, probably tens of billions of dollars worth. However, CMBS lenders are going to assign those assets to the special servicers. They're going to manage the property. They're going to lease it up. They're going to attempt to stabilize it. They're going to increase rents. They're going to do what they can do to increase the value and sell it at the highest possible price. And so in those types of situations, I don't think there's going to be a lot of foreclosures on the market. Uh, because the, the banks are going to assign it to a special servicer who's actually going to do a lot of what we do as a company here at Savant, which is just buy properties and maximize value and sell it at the most opportune time. So I don't think that the crash is going to throw commercial real estate into recession. I think it's going to create opportunities, but I think that those opportunities are actually going to be uh, they're, they're, they're going to be surface level, and you're going to have to get down into the mud to, uh, to, to try and sort through the deals and find the gems uh, on the surface that you, can, uh, that you can pick off if you're a commercial real estate investor. So the opportunities we just, uh, we just talked about. One thing is uh, uh, that I would encourage all commercial real estate investors to do is really look for deals that are off market. On market commercial real estate deals in major markets like Las Vegas, like Phoenix, like Albuquerque, New Mexico, like Boise, Idaho, on market deals, everybody sees, and they're uh, they're very competitive. It's not uncommon to have multiple offers on a property. So, I think that finding these deals off market is uh, is going to be where you're going to find a little more equity and a little more upside, as opposed to just waiting for a bunch of commercial real estate to come on the market from these uh, borrowers that need to sell. 
So no matter what, scooping up the opportunistic deals is going to take some hard work. It's going to take connections, and it's going to take liquid capital ready to go jump. Uh, you know, there's there's kind of a misnomer in commercial real estate, and the misnomer is is that uh, you can go to a bank and you can basically leverage a huge amount and you can get all kinds of money. Uh, the reality is is that most commercial lenders want to see you put 30 to 35 percent down on a property. And that's even if it's a well-positioned, cash-flowing property with good tenants in place. And so high leverage is usually not an, an option for most commercial real estate investors. So have your liquid capital sitting on the side ready to go. There's a possibility, and I'm going to give this at about a, a 10 to 15% possibility, but I'm going uh, to say there, there is a possibility of a slight commercial, more, uh, commercial property correction in value. Uh, retail has, uh, has seen a bit of a boom here in Las Vegas. On a price per foot basis, things well-located retail gets very expensive. It's not uncommon at all to have three or $400 a foot commercial real estate, um, retail commercial real estate. And a big part of those prices per foot are certainly the leases and the lease rates and its location and, and whatnot. But I'm not going to say that uh, over the last few years, it hasn't been a relatively straight line from bottom to where we are today. And in any bull market cycle, you're going to see corrections. And that's okay. Perfectly okay. We have not seen euphoria in the market. We have not seen uh, over leveraging. We, I, th I think, have just seen a very good, extremely strong recovery, which is certainly what I've been predicting for years and years now. Uh, but the bull market cycle is still in effect for years to come. we still got another five, six years to go. Uh, regardless of any corrections or retracements that we might have due to CMBS maturities or otherwise, I really do believe that the long-term cycle is still up from here. But there will be a point in time to get out. So don't freak out don't lose your cool don't become fearful if you see a five or a ten or a fifteen percent correction uh, in commercial real estate in fact fifteen percent I think would be extraordinary I think if anything I think things cool off a bit things level off a bit uh, you know maybe some of the froth in the market and some of the real uh, pricey real estate really starts to, uh, to, to, to to get it down to where it ought to be at current market value uh, so what about REITs? One, one caution that I want to give you about REITs is uh, a lot of people don't know that REITs, uh, especially lending REITs, hold a lot of CMBS debt. And I would tell you that if you own a REIT, you need to make sure that they don't hold any of that high yield debt in what's called the B note or the B tranche, which is the most risky and, uh, and the most likely to lose in this coming crisis of, uh, of maturities that's going to happen. So uh, I'm not a big fan of REITs anyway, especially traded REITs. Um, my own personal opinion, lots of people... Uh, might feel a little differently about that. My own personal opinion is I really think that REITs uh, are not as good as what a lot of folks uh, believe that they are. So let's talk about the cycle. You, Most of you have seen this chart over and over and over and over again. Um, for some reason, this uh, didn't populate right. This should actually be right here. Uh, we're going to see a top in the real estate activity, which is certainly going to be reflective in the pricing of real estate sometime in the early 2020s. That's kind of what I expect. And will this cycle be as dramatic as the last one? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think 
I can't make that call until we actually get there. But certainly when things get frothy and people get really excited about an asset class and lenders are lending and investors are investing, that's the right time to get out. We're just not there yet. So the bull market dynamics, uh, you know, talking about the correction that I said could potentially be coming in some commercial real estate asset classes, don't be afraid of that. Uh, corrections are normal. Corrections are healthy. Bull markets don't always go straight up. We're, we're very far from the euphoria place at the top of a market cycle. Investors are not euphoric. Uh, they're not overly optimistic, which is very good. Uh, use this CMBS maturity issue and this underlying tone in the market to negotiate good deals. And if you could pick up a deal that's below market value because a CMBS borrower needs to get out from underneath the property because their loan's maturing, take that as an opportunity. Don't be afraid of it. Uh, don't let the uh, slowing of activity or a minor correction uh, in the market fog your vision and your decision-making ability for the bigger picture in the cycle. Uh, here's the bottom line for me. We're not in a bubble. CMBS maturities will not drown the market with foreclosures like a lot of analysts are saying it's going to. In fact, I think it's been way overhyped. I think the media has done way too much to try and scare folks uh, you know, um, in, into the coming crisis of CMBS maturities. I, I just I don't see that happening. There will be opportunities created from CMBS, and we may see a minor market correction, which is healthy. That's the bottom line of what I think we have coming over the next couple of years here. So uh, that's the conclusion of that portion of the webinar, and I just want to uh, caution investors, you know, that commercial real estate is an art. There's uh, deal-making abilities, there's spotting opportunities, there's buying undervalued assets. Uh, certainly recommend staying away from uh, the riskiest of, of uh, asset classes. Land is one of them, unless you're a very experienced land speculator. Uh, it's very difficult to um, to make money in land unless you're in a rising market. And I think for the next couple of years, I don't know how much rising we're going to be doing. I think that there's going to be opportunities to buy in, but I think the majority of the rising in the market is going to come in 2018, 19, 20, 21. Uh, but for the next couple of years, I think commercial values are going to hold pretty steady. So let's talk a little bit about what Savant does. Just so you know, we've done over 100 million of, ac of uh, transactions and acquisitions since 2012. Uh, commercial real estate throughout the U.S., office, medical, retail, shopping, industrial, and multifamily. Uh, we do buy assets and, and, uh, and do our business nationwide, but we have an emphasis on the Southwest region normally because uh, this makes it really, really easy for us to, uh, to, to travel and go get hands-on and boots on the ground uh, at one of our locations. Uh, we try to shoot for a cash-on-cash -cash return of between 7 and 10%. We usually do significantly better than that, or at least we have in the past on several uh, of our deals. Uh, we target about 7% compounded uh, appreciation or better. Uh, again, that's a low estimate. We have done really, really well for, for investors over the last few years. Uh, so combined target return in the teens. And uh, again, I think that's conservative. Our hold periods between three and seven years Minimum investments, 100000 and you have to be an accredited investor. Just quickly, we'll go through uh, a little bit more about Savant. So we align our interests 
with yours by reducing our management fees in exchange for taking profit participation with you. This is why we're really picky with the deals that we do and the deals that we have our own money into. Um, I have millions of my own dollars personally invested in commercial real estate right along with, with our investors. Uh, we're aggressive and extremely active in the management of these deals and making sure that they perform to the highest possible possible degree that we can. And we pride ourselves on 100% transparency. So in the course of uh, the last uh, 14 years in the business for me, I've done almost a billion dollars worth of transaction on our team and on our folks. We've, uh, you know, the, with the folks on our team rather, we've got 400 plus investments over the last uh, 15 years, including myself, almost a billion dollars worth of transaction and over 40 years of experience on the team. Uh, some of the deals that we've done, we did some big ones in uh, in Phoenix. We did uh, uh, a huge uh, uh, single-family portfolio for a hedge fund here in Las Vegas. Uh, we do office and retail. We just closed actually uh, about 150,000 square feet worth of acquisitions for us and our investors this year alone. So that's uh, quite quite nice uh, size for our uh, little company here. Uh, some deals that we just did, we just bought a almost 20,000 square foot building in Utah. Uh, Class A, very nice product, very undervalued. Uh, we bought a 44,000 square foot industrial building here a couple months ago. Uh, 27,800 square foot office building in New Mexico that we're closing next week. Uh, and a couple of little small office and uh, retail buildings here in, uh, in Idaho and Nevada. That's what we've done over the last few months. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about investing with us, or if you have questions about this presentation or any of the other material in the Savant Report, you can certainly get in touch with me. My email address is jordan at savantinvestments.com. My phone number is here, and I make myself very, very, very available uh, to all of our subscribers and all of our investors or potential investors. Uh, disclosures once more. We're not recommending that you do anything, make any uh, investment decisions without uh, qualified advice. We're not investment advisors. We're not soliciting you to buy or sell any security. And uh, and uh, we do uh, issue securities here, but only our own investments. And we certainly uh, always uh, give you the disclosure that past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. So that's it for today. I just want to thank you all for uh, coming to the webinar. Again, this is going to be recorded. Many of you are going to watch the recording. Uh, feel free to email me or call with any questions. Take care, God bless, and we will see you in two months for our next webinar, which is going to be on Canadian investing in the spread between the U.S. dollar, the Canadian dollar, and, uh, and the recession that's going on in Canada right now and some opportunities that we see coming. Talk with you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.